Welcome to Missions Corner. Our goal at Missions Corner is to bring you stories straight from the mission fields, both locally and from around the world, in hopes of inspiring you to get out and go live the abundant life that Jesus has called you to. Still as true today as when Jesus first said it, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Today we join Jason Pranzo and Jana Pranzo in part one of a three-part conversation with Robert Walter of Chosen People Ministries. Robert is a missionary to the Jewish people in Brooklyn, New York, and today he'll tell us about the mission of Chosen People Ministries and how God worked in Robert's life to bring him to salvation from a secular home and ultimately to serving the largest Jewish population outside of Israel. Let's listen in. Welcome to Missions Corner. Uh, I'm Jason Pranzo, and today we have a guest host. Uh, Christine is out today, so I have my beautiful bride, Jana, with me. Uh, say hello, Jana. Hello. Hi, and, and today we are talking with the New York Regional Director of Chosen People's Ministry, Robert Walter. Hello, Robert. Shalom, guys. How are you? Oh, shalom. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank God. Good. It's, it's, it's good to have you here. It's good to have you here. Looking forward to discussing what's going on in New York. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to the conversation as well. And uh, I just want to thank you guys for inviting me to come and participate. Oh, we're great. happy to have you. So happy to have you. So first off, can you tell us what is Chosen People Ministries about? Yeah, so Chosen People Ministries, uh, our mission statement is worded like this. We exist to pray for, evangelize, disciple, and serve the Jewish people and to help other believers do the same. Uh, so really everything that our ministry um, focuses on is fulfilling that mission statement. So we, uh, we have a, a very special burden, a very special calling uh, to bring the gospel to the Jewish people, or we like to say to bring the message to the original messengers. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. And so you being in New York City, uh, you have a very large pop population of Jewish people, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so outside of the land of Israel, New York City is the largest Jewish community in the world. Uh, there are probably close to 2 million Jewish people that live in the New York metropolitan area. Uh, so where we live, it's, yeah, it's a huge mission field. And uh, my wife and I, and we have two, two kids, um, they're 13 and 10. Uh, we live in Brooklyn, uh, which okay. is the most uh, heavily populated Jewish borough in New York. So of the, the fertile mission field, you're in the most fertile mission field. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, wow. that, that we like to think so. Uh, so it's, you know, it's a fairly, fairly uh, Jewish neighborhood where we are. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So right out your door and you're on, on the mission field. You know, I, right. I, I like that, too, because you, you think about so many people thinking I, I did this for a long time that thinking the only way you could do missions was to go on a trip to like mm -hmm. say Africa or to South America, to Mexico, mm -hmm. um, that you had to go to a foreign country. And so much Jesus has us right where he wants us. And our mission field is literally right outside our front door. Yes. And right. for those of us with families inside our front door as well. Yeah. So a uh, little bit more back to Chosen People's Ministry. Uh, how was it founded? Yeah, so our ministry actually started here in Brooklyn. Uh, back in 1894. Wow. So we are, uh, you know, math was not, uh, you know, always my <laughs> favorite, but uh, we're 128 years old. Wow. And uh, our ministry began actually 
when a, uh, a young rabbi uh, by the name of Leopold Cohen, he emigrated from Hungary, uh, where that's where he studied. He went to what's called yeshiva, which is a like a Jewish school. Yeah. Um, and he was ordained. He received what in the Hebrew, it's called the uh, smicha, which literally means the laying on of hands. So he received smicha or ordination from a very prominent rabbi. Uh, and this rabbi, his name was Zalman Lev Teitelbaum. And he was the progenitor of what eventually became one of the largest Hasidic sects in the entire world. Um, so anyway, Leopold Cohen was ordained. And while he was in Hungary, the Lord began to really do something in his heart. Yeah. Uh, and he emigrated to the United States and really just searching for answers and truth about the Messiah. And one day he was walking on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, which at the time, uh, that was like the epicenter of the American Jewish world. This is a, a point in history where you've got tens, hundreds of thousands of Jewish people leaving Russia, leaving Eastern Europe, where they were being persecuted and yeah. pogroms and kicked out of the country. And they would flood to the United States. And the Lower East Side became, again, like this Jewish hub uh, in America. So he's walking by a church on the Lower East Side, uh, and he sees a sign out, outside the church in Yiddish. And Yiddish was his his heart language. It was his native tongue. Yeah. Uh, Yiddish is sort of like a German Hebrew slang. Mm -hmm. And he went inside the church because he was intrigued. He said, you know, what is this? Yiddish. Yeah. So he went inside and he heard the gospel being proclaimed in, again, his heart language. And within days of that first exposure to the gospel, uh, he, he began meeting with the, uh, the man who was preaching. He was a, a Jewish missionary sent out by the Church of Scotland. And um, uh, so within days of this encounter, uh, the Lord just seized his heart and he gave his life to Jesus. Wow. Uh, so that was in 1892. So for two years, from 1892 to 1894, he was trained, he was discipled, uh, and he was, you know, taught uh, how to, you know, bring the gospel to his people. Yeah. Uh, so he had this particular burden, again, to bring the message of Jesus to his kinsmen according to the flesh. So in 1894, he started our ministry uh, in, uh, it was the uh, the Brownsville section of Brooklyn, uh, which again was a very Jewish neighborhood at the time. Okay. And, uh, and eventually over time, we became known as the American Board of Missions to the Jews. And then in the early 1980s, uh, we changed our name to Chosen People Ministries. Wow, that is quite a history. That is quite yeah. a history. So I imagine over the years, the ministry has evolved as, as far as like things that are available. So what is it looking at today in 2022? What is it that that you do now? Like, say, a day in the life of what is it that you do? Right, right. So. Um, so, yeah, our ministry has certainly evolved over the past 128 years. You know, we started in Brooklyn, but we expanded, you know, greatly. And the Lord mm -hmm. provided and the Lord has blessed and preserved the ministry uh, through, you know, lots of trials, not just uh, in the world. I mean, you know, the ministry has been able to to go through two world wars, uh, the Holocaust, a number of pandemics, financial crises uh, all the time. Uh, but again, the Lord has sustained and allowed us to, to continue. And now we're in, uh, I believe, 20 different countries, uh, including obviously the U.S., Canada, we're, we're in Brazil, Argentina, uh, Australia, New Zealand, India, Israel, okay, we're mm -hmm. all over Europe, and the newest country that we're uh, heading into soon is Japan. Wow. Um, wow. 
So a day in the life though. Okay. So a day in the life for me as a missionary on staff with Chosen People Ministries. Uh, well, I'll say this. No, no two days are the same. Yeah. <laughs> there's always, there's always something new going on. I mean, obviously we do have some, you know, routine things that we do. Uh, so we have certain prayer meetings and Bible studies mm-hmm. uh, throughout the week. Um, one thing that I've been involved with is uh, we've planted a messianic congregation here in Brooklyn. Uh, and if our listening audience isn't aware, a messianic congregation is like a church. Um, it's a uh, the idea is we wanted to plant a healthy faith community where we express our faith in Jesus in a more Hebraic kind of way. Okay. Um, and part of the reason for that is we want to be missional. We want to create a space where Jewish seekers can come and hear the gospel and and uh, and. Uh, be exposed to the truth of the New Testament in a familiar setting. So it's not uh, and we also a, wanted, you know, a congregation where yeah. Jewish believers in Jesus can come and be discipled and grow in their faith. So the the big differences, I guess, um, uh, the the Hebraic flavor of our congregation on our worship, uh, you know, our main service is on Saturday, uh, which, you know, Friday night to Saturday night is considered the Sabbath in the Jewish yes. world. Um, our service is sort of loosely structured and uh, off of a traditional synagogue surface, okay. which, you know, if you hear that, you might kind of have a pause like, whoa, whoa, whoa slow down, you know, what, what's going on there? But, you know, really when you look into it, at the apex, at the heart of the traditional synagogue service is the public reading of the word of God. Yes. Uh, that is like the epicenter. So that's what we do. Okay? Well, I so mean, we that goes all the way back to worship. Yeah, that, that goes all the way back to Deuteronomy. It, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Every uh, every seven years on the Feast of Tabernacles, everyone would go up to Jerusalem and uh, the entire first five books of Moses would be read to everyone. Uh, And we see it in Ezra and Nehemiah with the return from the Babylonian captivity. And uh, honestly, Luke tells us that it was the custom of Jesus to go into the synagogue every Sabbath. You know, what did he do while he was there? He read from the scroll and then yeah. he gave this explanation uh, that the text was talking about about him. So the congregation is is a fairly important part of the ministry and my particular involvement with chosen people. You know, we, we have a, a lot of other things going on. Uh, and, you know, I'll pause here, though, to see if you have any other kind of comments or questions. Well, or, honestly, or, I, I just want to see where you, you go with that as well as, you know, okay. what, what other things... It was actually, it's funny that you you had actually read my mind because that was one of the things in just doing the research before the interview um, mm-hmm. was the the messianic congregation. And I'll be honest with you, I, I have a Catholic upbringing and Jana has a Catholic upbringing. So mm-hmm. you, you want to talk about a denomination steeped in tradition. Yeah. Um, it, it, I can relate and I know that our listeners that are that come from a Catholic background or even a more Lutheran um background are are familiar with the tradition but i like how you put that that even jesus was in the synagogue that jesus was a hebrew that he honored all the feasts and he honored the holidays he honored the sabbath (laughs) he set the time aside for the lord right to set the sabbath as holy so he set the example for this for us exactly but it is, you know, we, we uh, again, we feel that it's important, again, to sort of create this place and, and the space where Jewish seekers can come and uh, and hear the gospel in a familiar yeah. setting. So, 
yeah, our our services, you know, again, loosely based on a traditional synagogue service. And then you mentioned it, uh, the feasts. Uh, so the calendar that we follow uh, is sort of like a more traditional Jewish calendar. So okay. the holidays that we focus on are what would be called, quote unquote, Jewish holidays. Yeah. So we'll have a big Passover meal together uh, every year. What we love to do, and, you know, I've been able to visit Calvary Chapel Minot over the years, and yeah. I love Pastor Bill, even though he says, don't call me pastor. Uh, <laughs> no, pastor, he still love, tells me, he yells at me for calling him sir. <laughs> sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, a, a number of the times that I've been out there, I've been able to share uh, about the Messiah in the Passover and yeah. sort of make the connections between the Last Supper and the traditional Jewish Passover meal uh, that's celebrated. Uh, so in our congregation, we'll do that. We'll have the traditional meal and uh, we'll focus on the bread and the cup and we'll make the connection to Jesus yeah. as the Messiah. And, uh, you know, just quick story, even recently, because Passover was, you know, in, in uh, April of this year yeah. and we had our big Passover meal together and uh, we had a number of Jewish seekers in attendance. Uh, these were, you know, friends uh, and and relatives of people who are part of our congregation. There was one woman in particular who is the mother of a young man, young Jewish man who recently came to faith, uh, and he was baptized. And you know, he's really grown in the Lord. We're just like, it's so encouraging oh, to see this young Lord. man. Yeah. Uh, but he finally convinced his mother to come, and she agreed. So. She came and uh, what we did is we sort of strategically placed her uh, and the other sort of, you know, Jewish seekers uh, toward the front so that they could hear clearly the leader of the meal going through and making the connections. Yeah. And uh, she is a talker. She is like the, the <laughs> typical New York Brooklyn Jewish woman, you know, okay. she'll, okay. she'll, she has no qualms about sharing her opinion uh, at any time. So uh, so when when it first started, she's like she's commenting, you know, she's mm -hmm. turning to the person next to her and saying, you know, why did he do it like that? Or, you know, uh, <laughs> stuff, stuff like that. But then as it went on, as you know, we get sort of deeper into the Passover and making the connections between what God did for Israel and Egypt and bring them out of slavery through the shed blood of the perfect spotless lamb. Uh, and then making that connection with what God has done for us in and through his son, Jesus, that he is, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, he is our Passover. Yeah, He is the lamb of God, the perfect spotless uh, blood that has been uh, shed for us, for our redemption, for our freedom. So uh, as as the uh, the meal went on, she got quiet. She got quiet and it began to really sink in. Oh. Uh, and uh, while she didn't make a profession of faith, what we've realized when it comes to Jewish ministry, it's like, it's a process. It's yes. a, it's a long process for some people, but she made great strides that night. She made great yeah. strides just by coming in through the door. Okay. That was a yeah. big step. She made great strides in sitting through the entire presentation and listening, especially at key points. She made great strides when she left us that night. And the only comment she had was, I have a lot to think about. Wow. So this is, you know, we, we really um, are excited about this. Um, and, you know, of course, there's there's other Jewish people who are at different points in the journey. But, you know, we're very, very pleased with what the Lord did that night. That's amazing. Uh, particularly in this woman's life. So I would just ask if you're listening now, just take a moment to pray for her if you can. Um, uh, I, I, you know, unfortunately, I can't give names, but we, we'll just call her Rose. So Rose. pray for Rose. 
It's a pseudonym. So pray for Rose. Pray that the seeds that were planted that night through the Passover would take root in her heart and that the Lord would continue to create opportunities uh, for us to share with her and to minister to her in different ways. Absolutely. You know, I actually, the funny thing is I, I can relate to it mm-hmm. being a process. Yes. Um, and for Jan and I, thing. Yeah. yeah, for, for Jan and I, cause it, funny story. Um, um, Pastor Bill was our next door neighbor years ago mm. and he spent about three years just not so much sharing the gospel, but having a good witness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and sharing little tidbits here and there, but I was nowhere near Jesus. I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Jana was, you were pretty much the same way, right? Well, I was, no, I was looking. I was, I was seeking. I knew it was after having children. I knew, I just knew I needed Jesus, but it was wow. hard because we both grew up in Catholic church and that's all we knew. And, and we'd you know visited a few different churches, but it, visiting Calvary Chapel and just, that was the big thing. It was the word. He taught yeah. the word. You just read through. Yeah. The, I never opened up a Bible growing up in church. Yeah. And to all of a sudden just be in the word and to see, like Jason said, the way that yeah. Bill and Sandy lived their lives and the way they loved on us and, you know, just kept persevering with trying to, you know, love on us with, with the love of Jesus and the gospel. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah. the problem I, I know for me, one of the things that was, was being steeped in tradition mm-hmm. and that uh, not understanding the gospel. I didn't understand Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, which is we are saved by grace through faith. You know, that it's not of works, it's a gift, so no man can boast. I didn't understand that it was a gift. I thought I had to earn salvation. And I thought, you know, what I call the the Santa Claus theory, all good girls and boys go to heaven. And Mm -hmm. I can, I see the the correlation in the Jewish faith because, you know, even though we go back to Abraham and Abraham wasn't proven righteous because of the offerings he did or giving the 10th that he did, um, Uh, to Melchizedek, Mm -hmm. instead, he was proven righteous from his faith in the Lord. Exactly. But because of the, and and, and this is the biggest thing that's confused, and it's still, I fight myself today, that the law was created to show us the need for a savior, that we have sin and that we can't do it. Um, The problem with having the law is the striving that goes along with. It's this, Lord, I want to try and make myself righteous to you and and that was my whole life before we came to the lord and it took three years of bill you know just kind of sharing the gospel and chipping away at that before we were ready to give our lives to christ yeah wow that's that's powerful and it it it, you're absolutely right i mean uh, uh we do have this just human tendency and i i I wonder sometimes if it's just like an uh, uh you know an american kind of feeling you know like yeah. we're we're a resilient nation we're yes. filled with resilient people and we're, yeah. we we pride ourselves on on our strength and are able to to strive you mm-hmm. know and and fight back and uh pull you know pursue up. liberty and freedom yeah pull ourselves um, up by the bootstraps right yeah, yeah yeah and this is not to bash that i mean these no. are good qualities but uh when it comes to god's economy of salvation you know i, I just think of psalm forty six ten. right cease striving <laughs> and just know that I am the Lord, you know, oh, and uh, I think all of us need to come to that place at some point in our lives uh, where we're able to wake up every day and come to that point every moment of our lives. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, uh, and it's only by the grace of God that any of that happens. Amen to uh, that. So, yeah. 
um, you know, and, and connecting it with the Jewish people here. So uh, where we live in, in New York, in Brooklyn, uh, I should say this because uh, I realize that, you know, Minot doesn't have the largest Jewish community in the world. You know, that's that's OK. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's important for all of us to know that the Jewish world is very diverse. The Jewish community is very diverse. So even here in Brooklyn, uh, there are different worldviews among different Jewish communities. Yes. You know, there's there's a broad spectrum and uh, some of them have different approaches to their understanding of being forgiven by God or having a place in the world to come or mm-hmm. uh, for some some Jewish people it's not even on the radar okay it's not even yeah. a, a problem not even an issue you know uh, there's you know uh, you'll find Jewish people in New York who are at the the far left extreme right totally atheists or agnostic or just secular humanists um, yeah. God is not on the radar okay and then you'll go to the other opposite end of the spectrum and you'll find Jewish people who are what we would call the the Haredim which is the Hasidic Jewish people or the just the the ultra orthodox okay. so these are the the men will have the side curls they're called mm-hmm. payas uh, they'll wear black and white clothes the heads will always be covered they live in very tight-knit insular communities uh, they're very religious okay yes. prayer three times a day Everything in their life revolves around the the holidays, revolves around the Sabbath, revolves around um, the community and and being faithful to God in you know their understanding. You know, in, in where we are in Brooklyn again, like I could spend my morning having lunch and sharing the gospel with you know a, a secular humanist uh, Jewish college student from Brooklyn College or from Columbia or NYU. Okay, and, mm-hmm. and the conversation I have is very different than the conversation I might have later that evening when I'm meeting in secret with a Hasidic man who's, you know, who is uh, doesn't want to meet in person anywhere near his community. So we have to travel to Jersey to meet, you know. Yeah. And the, so the conversations are very different. The expectations are very different, uh, but it's it's uh, it's very important. The message is the same ultimately yes. that both people need. Jesus. No, both people need the gospel, need to be set free from that which binds them, whether it's the tradition of secular, humanistic, progressive, you know, ideology, or whether it's the uh, the tradition of, you know, rabbinic Talmudic Judaism that is, yeah. again, very, very strict and, you know, and heavy handed in many ways. Uh, the the only cure, the only answer is, uh, is the freedom that's found in and through the Messiah, Jesus. Amen. You know, I've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord here in in Brooklyn. Uh, We've been in Brooklyn for 12 years now uh, serving, and uh, we've seen the Lord do some incredible things, some miraculous things, uh, some things that are uh, that cannot be explained uh, Mm -hmm. apart from God intervening. Yeah, I'll I'll share one quick story if that's okay. okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, a few years ago, well, let me back up and say this every summer our ministry hosts a mission trip called Shalom New York. And this is where we bring in volunteers, Christians from different churches around the country. Uh, Sometimes we'll get people from the UK to come over, uh, church groups or individuals, and we'll have a team for two weeks. We'll do it in one week increments, Mm -hmm. and we'll have about 50 to 60 people each week. And what we do is we will provide training in um, 
in how to go out onto the streets of New York and share the gospel with Jewish people. We'll provide training on understanding the Jewish worldviews, on understanding the different Jewish communities in New York. Uh, and then we go out onto the street together. We we'll split up into teams of like five, six people. We'll go out onto the street in different areas uh, where there's a lot of foot traffic, and we'll share the gospel. You know, it's uh, sometimes it's, sometimes it's handing out tracts. Uh, oftentimes, we'll set up book tables uh, where we'll have different literature and tracts mm-hmm. and books, and just try to engage with Jewish people. Uh, we'll go into the parks, and we'll have we'll send teams of two with uh, like spiritual questionnaires. Uh, to just approach people with these questions, uh, and the questions are formulated in a way to spur on a conversation about about the gospel. So uh, it's really excellent, and I highly recommend it. And uh, if you're interested, uh, I think it's a little too late to get on for this year, but next summer okay. uh, we'll have it. It's called Shalom New York. Just go to our website, chosenpeople.com, and you'll be able to, to uh, find it there, Shalom New York. Uh, now, amazing story that happened okay so one one year another missionary and i uh were out together on the street with a team of people and we went to one of these uh very insular ultra orthodox neighborhoods and we're walking around and we were looking unfortunately that's all the time we have for today but please join us on the next episode of missions corner for part two of our interview with robert walter of chosen people ministries Admissions Corner, we pray that this episode has blessed you and fueled your passion for serving the Lord. As our brother Paul reminds us in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 10, Jesus saved us for a reason and a purpose. That purpose is to win people to Christ, disciple them in Christ, and send them out for Christ. You can listen to this episode again for free on demand at the App Store or Google Play, or visit us at missionscorner.com. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord greatly blesses you.